You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi there, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Inside Healthcare. I'm Matt Brock, Communications Director here at NCQA, and we have a really special guest today with us to talk about something that uh, is close to our heart here at NCQA and close to our future, we believe. And uh, we're excited to have Dr. Joya Creer Perry with the National Birth Equity Collaborative. Yeah, you got it all right. I did. Yes. I, I, I got all the names <laughs> pronounced correctly. And I didn't even add in like my ex name, all that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining Thank us. You. We really appreciate mm-hmm. you being here and you traveling and mm-hmm. joining us here in Washington. Let's start with just sort of what our folks set me up with in background in the sense that you won the best poster presentation. Yes at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Grantee Conference, yeah. and it, the name of your poster mm-hmm. was Mothers, Voices, Driving Birth Equity. Yep. Sounds like you're trying to pull together the mamas. I'm trying. To, well, I'm trying to, to pull speak. together the hospitals because the mamas been trying, have been talking, um, but we've been talking to the media. Mm. And so you might have noticed recently that there's been a lot of attention around maternal health from ProPublica, NPR, Huffington Post, everywhere. But what we haven't got is that that media attention to actually change inside the systems and change the way that hospitals behave. So although we are getting, the mamas are telling their stories, it's been a music, it's been a, a beautiful journey, like watching women finally come forward and feel comfortable. In fact, when the ProPublica story hit, they, they talked to about 300 women and they have beautiful stories of women for all socioeconomic statuses around what happened to them or their families um, in childbirth. But what we have not been able to do is translate that into change in the side of the hospital system. So this, the purpose of this grant is to really say, okay, now we're talking. How, what are you going to do differently, healthcare system? How are you going to respond? Yeah, that's what it is. So we're driving birth equity with the mother's voices. So then it sound amazing. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a dare, right? <laughs> it is. Tell us what you're looking for. Yeah. What, what, what? Let's start with the base issue. Yes, yes. What is the base issue? Well, we recognize in this country that we're the only industrialized nation where we have more women dying in childbirth. Right? Other countries who have as much money as we do the actual numbers of women dying in childbirth is going down. In fact, we spend more per capita on health care than any other country in the world, right? So despite spending more money, despite the fact that everybody else is doing better, we're doing worse. And so when we started asking women, well, what's happening, right? Because the hospitals keep saying it's you. You're sick. You don't listen. You're, you're obese, right? So we keep blaming the patients. So we say, okay, well, moms, well, what is it then? Why? What's going on? Well, a lot of the times what they say is that they're not listening to us. When I go into the doctor, they don't hear what I say. When I go into the doctor, they're disrespectful. They don't follow through. When I ask them a question, they don't believe that my complaint is valid. So we know in a global context, there's a language called respectful care, right? So there's like a whole metric across the world around respectful care. What we haven't done in the U.S. is create that for the U.S. context, right? So in some countries, respectful care means, disrespectful care is physical abuse or like um, monetary. But here in the U.S., what would it mean for us to say, what is it like to not be listened to, right? And the importance of actually valuing what women say, that's disrespectful to be ignored. Mm -hmm. So we're really letting the mom's voices drive birth equity to make sure that when when we make policy changes, they're not just based upon us problematizing women and saying women don't listen, but also saying, okay, hospital system, how are you going to change your behaviors? Now, I imagine with those numbers you spoke of about how in the United States, Mm -hmm. the mortality rate is rising. Mm -hmm. I imagine at some point, that number was going down. It was. We, it, in fact, yeah, we, in fact, declared back in the early 90s that mm-hmm. we'd solve maternal mortality. That we, we did a public statement that the U.S. is the number one, and we've solved it, and it's over. And guess what we did? You know us. 
we stopped counting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so once we solved it, we said we didn't need to look at it again. So then the world kept counting their numbers. So then the world started looking at our numbers and saying, well, yours, you haven't really, we haven't released an official number for maternal death in the United States since 2007. So part of the mm-hmm. work we've been doing is really advocating for ensuring that states actually count the number of deaths. And you'll hear excuses like, well, it's only 700 to 900 women, only, right? Mm-hmm. Considering how much money we spend on other things. And I'll tell you, globally, other countries um, count moms. In fact, I was on a panel at the UN, and the health minister from Uganda was there, right? So they count moms, but they don't count babies because they have six babies per mom. So they're really worried about every baby, every mom, making sure, because who's going to, if one mom dies, that means six children that don't have a mother. In the U.S., we don't count Mothers, we count babies. We know there are 23,465 infant deaths last year. To the, but we don't spend that kind of attention on women. Huh. Hmm. That is somewhat shocking to me. And yes. I work in healthcare. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and I think we spent a lot of time at the beginning of this conversation with the media getting this out there, just right. saying, guys, you're not even counting women. Like, this is ridiculous. You have not released the numbers since 2007. The world is looking at you. They're flying me to Geneva to tell on you Guess what? We need to get it together here in the U.S. And folks at home, uh, we are videotaping this, mm-hmm. but really, it's a podcast, so <laughs> folks can't see the button on your shirt oh. that, I see that says "Black Mamas Matter." Yes. Um, but it sounds like all mamas oh, matter do. is pretty they important in counting it is. too. It is. But I imagine that means there's some disparity for there sure. too. For sure. For sure. Tell that's me the, about that. Yeah. So it's important for us to recognize we wouldn't be the worst in the industrialized world if it were only black mothers dying. So to be clear, although our organization focuses on black infant and maternal health because, A, it's the highest number, so black women are dying at three to four times the rate of their white counterparts in the United States. Mm. So it's important for us to also recognize if we can fix it for black folks, imagine what will happen for everybody else, right? So if we're not listening to black women and we create a metric to make us have to listen to women in general, that means that some of the white mothers who are passing or who are not surviving childbirth will also have a better opportunity to thrive. So it starts, and we, you know it in CQA, we believe if you don't measure it, exactly. you can't improve it. Can you it. imagine? Right. So we're all for measuring, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and we want to make it as easy as possible right. for the folks who are measuring to measure exactly. and hand that information over mm-hmm. so we can address improvements. But why? Why especially black women? Yeah. Well, you know, we have to have an honest conversation in this country that we have not had around racism, classism, and gender oppression. So the truth is, we know that we have built structures that devalue. We were built on a structure that values people differently based upon their skin color. That is not, um, racism is not a bad word. I'm not calling somebody a mean name. Mm -hmm. It's actually a current and historical fact that we build our systems to say one group should have and one group shouldn't. And so that ha- what happens when people enter healthcare is they might have had years of not having insurance, right? Because we'll say, well, you only deserve insurance when you're pregnant. And the majority, a lot of those women might be of color, mm-hmm. right? And so then they've built up chronic disease for a while because they haven't had access to insurance. And now you come into pregnancy with hypertension that's been unaddressed for 10 years, you're too going late too late, you're gonna be sicker. And then we blame the patient, right? For like not coming to the doctor and not participating having as a structure, as a system, not invested in them in the first place. That discourages them, Yes. if not uh, 
just uh, complacency alone. Exactly. It, it actually discourages exactly. them, it sounds exactly. like. Exactly. So, so how revolutionary would it be for us to live up to our American ideal? How revolutionary would it be for us to say, we believe all people have value, we're going to invest in everybody. So if we know that people need to be seen when they come to the hospital and heard and listened to, and that we are not listening to women, I mean, think of Serena Williams. Here she is, one of the healthiest women in the world, mm-hmm. and yet she wasn't listened to. She had to fight for her own health. She had to fight for her own body to survive a pregnancy because she said, I'm having a thromboembolic event. They were like, you don't know what that means. Why wouldn't she know? So that's the level of not listening. She'd had a um, PE before. Mm-hmm. And she this knows is not it. a person suffering sort of from, <laughs> right. you know, the the social determinants. Exactly. I mean, she's got the money she and does. she's got the education. But and she the... was still ignored and she had to fight for herself. And so that's the thing that we have to change, this idea that you can't, patients aren't believed or not listened to. And so black women are accustomed to that. We have data that shows we people, patients, doctors, believe black women don't feel pain as much as white women. As if having more melanin um, production makes your pain tolerance different, right? And we have a history of that coming from the creation of obstetrics and gynecology, from the founding father who traveled across the country doing experiments on black women who were enslaved without anesthesia, and he would report, well, they don't feel pain. So it's part of how we think about health. That has to change. We know from the civil rights movement, we can change policies and metrics, but if we don't change the culture of believing and listening into people, you will desegregate schools, desegregate hospitals by law, but they will functionally still be segregated. So part of our work around this culture shift and having podcasts and talking is to say, let's honestly talk about racism, let's honestly talk about a hierarchy of human value, and that we can stop doing that, because we're all being harmed by that. But we have to, at some point, quit talking. <laughs> that's true. And take action, <laughs> we do, right? And that's where it's really important to have measures and measures and account- that's accountability. The that's the start. And then after that, mm-hmm. if I'm a healthcare yep worker mm-hmm. who listens to this. We get lots of listeners from sort of the insurance background mm-hmm. and a great deal from the primary care background. Yes, yes. The, I think the primary care yes. place is probably where yep. where uh, there is a need. Yes. So if I'm a healthcare worker who works in a primary care practice, yep. what can I do? You know, we are so excited because primary care is so important to maternal health. We focus so much on what happens in labor and delivery as if people just show up after being alive for 28 years, and the only thing that matters is that 12 hours of labor delivery when their primary care prior to that was so important. So how strong would it be to have primary care providers working with us around access to payment reform for primary care, around having ensuring that people have access to a provider even when they're not pregnant because their life course for their maternal health starts when they are children in pediatric care and adolescent care and young adult care. So we are really allies in this work with our um, with our younger with our folks who are doing primary care, and, and they're undervalued as well. Right? They don't get the payment that they need. They don't have the resources that they need to provide primary care, and that feeds into us not having access to great maternity care. So it's, it's not an either or. It's not pie. It's important for us to think of as a primary care doctor working around and showing how important maternal health is to your work. Right now we have all this buzz around it. We need them too, right? And we also... Mm-hmm. There's concrete ways to work on bias, right? I do a lot of implicit bias trainings. Um, we all have bias. I have bias. Guess who I'm biased against? Oh, white dudes. Can you imagine <laughs> you who? <laughs> I took the, so you can take the implicit bias. What's really funny is I, as I asked the question, I was about to say, I'm Johnny White Guy. All right, so I have bias that I work on. So mm-hmm. I do things like engage lean into my bias, make sure that I can individualize, make sure that I can find ways to decrease my stereotypes, 
if you know, if you take the implicit association test and you see that you have a bias, you can do those same things as well, right? So if your bias is against young black patients, it's an opportunity to start spending more time with them, individualizing with them, stereotype replacement. So those are some strategies. It's about a, catching yourself it in, is. in some ways and it reminding is. yourself. That we're all, like, we've been taught narratives just, just aren't true. Right. Right. We come with them. We come with them. And in this case, uh, obstetricians. Yes. Come with this. Yes, they, they believe. That is nutty. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, that's nutty that they think somehow you, <laughs> that people today really believe somehow you don't suffer pain the same I way. I know. I do. Yeah. And in fact, probably better than <laughs> well, that, I do. Well, honestly, I've that's never probably, given birth. <laughs> probably, honestly, that's probably why the stigma exists, right? Because men. I wasn't gonna say that, but we can't experience it. <laughs> Wait, right? That's right. very true. So even some of the like the rules around how we decide on postpartum care, we have a six-week postpartum visit. We've had that for a hundred years in obstetrics, based upon no data. We have no so women need things beside birth control. So that's what we do mostly at the postpartum visit. We, we examine you to make sure that you are prepared for taking birth control and you can resume normal activities. So most don't see. And I'd have two children, but I really don't remember. Exactly. Most don't see doctors until six, six weeks. weeks at, yeah. Oh, my wife needs. I'll get in trouble for this, but she needs to see a doctor. Exactly. Think of all the other things: emotional support, breastfeeding support, right? Um, just all the none of that is addressed, right? And so we built a system based upon the beliefs of folks a hundred years ago and what they thought about women and what they thought about black folks. Imagine mm -hmm. how broken that has to be based upon our current knowledge around equality for women equality for people of color. And so when we're really rethinking, how would we build a system that really valued everybody? You would say, I need to actually pay for more than one visit six weeks later. And 60% of the deaths from maternal mortality happen postpartum. So if we're only seeing you six weeks later, we're missing a whole bunch of things that happen as far as your hemp bleeding, if you have a headache, all those kinds of things. Hmm. There's a lot going on here. What needs to change? Yes. Uh, and who needs to change it? Yes, yes. So. We as a healthcare system have to fundamentally rethink about how we got here, right? Like we have been fighting each other and fighting like the doctors, fighting the midwives, fighting the doulas, and really as a system, we're all in this together. So first we have to reframe and change and think we need each other to do this work together. Um, and that we value people and their voices very, that they are, they, people can make their own healthcare decisions. And so the way we think about patient interaction has to change, that we're not here as the all authoritarian. We need a team of folks to work together. We can't do everything as a doctor by ourselves. I've never thought that, but healthcare in general has always been mm -hmm. thinking that. And so reframing all of that is really important. We need accountability. So things like NCQA, these are really important for this because when you have quality measures, when you say, I value respectful care as a measure, how transformative mm -hmm. can that be, right? Because that means people are um, aspiring to be respectful and that's part of their work. But key to this, I think, is you need CMS to count babies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that part. Right? Too. And how, right, that's a mom, big one. That's mom, count moms. They count point. babies, but count moms. Yeah, so we started this past year. We passed a bill. I got it backwards. That's yeah, okay. count moms. Yes, yes. So, yeah, so we have to have accurate counting, and they're starting to work on that as well. And so, um, at CDC, uh, there was some funding passed through legislation that I was well, blessed to be able to testify in front of Congress around to give funding to states to count more accurately their uh, maternal deaths. So, that's going to come. Probably it'll become um, really important for us once we get those numbers to really couch them or frame them, understanding the impact of social determinants on moms' lives. And it's not just the interaction in the hospital, but transportation, housing, food deserts, like all those things matter when it comes to your maternal health. And then how will we build a structure where healthcare, we don't expect the doctor to fix all of their health. 
but we want the entire system to change so we can have access to all the things that thrive. And on a personal level, yeah. where could I get the, not for me, but for other folks. <laughs> I think your wife but is already too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in trouble already. Yeah. Where can I get, uh, you spoke of this identifying your bias. Yeah, yeah, test. yeah. yeah, yeah. Where so can I get a hold of yeah, that? So that's online, implicit association test. I think it's through Harvard. Um, but we, um, blackmamasmatter.org, we have a bunch of resources. We did a black paper, not a white paper, around res- what respectful care could look like. Um, we have toolkits around policy. Um, I have the National Birth Equity Collaborative. We also have on social media some articles that we've done through Essence Magazine and Huffington Post. So it's just important for us really to start thinking about looking at those resources in the community um, and valuing the women who are doing the work. And we will put some of those links. Great. Uh, certainly a link to your organization mm-hmm. on our blog, blog.ncqa.org. Yay. And, uh, of course, this podcast will be posted there, but also on anywhere you can get your your podcast. Dr. Joya Career Perry with the National Birth Equity Collaborative. Very good. Thank you so much this for being been here. Fun. They're kind of fun yeah. and um, and informative, we yes. hope, for yeah. for folks working in healthcare and trying to improve it. So yes. thank you uh, for joining us. Thank you. And thank you at home for joining us too. We'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. See you again, no doubt. 